Good to see you this morning. We are continuing today uh, in the message series we're calling Fools on Parade. You can see our guy this morning. He's in the forefront of the picture on the screen. Uh, we're going to talk about that fool that's on parade. If he has any uh, semblance to one of your family members or anything like that, we that, that was not intentional. Okay? Uh, not at all. We are not calling anyone a fool. <laughs> um, last week, we began this series on these five fool patterns that we see in Scripture. And we started by looking at the three heart problems that drive the, uh, the fool patterns and generate many problems and useless strategies that we come up with for making our way in life the way that we'd like to. Uh, if you'd like to take the time, you can review last week's message. It's helpful. As a foundation, you don't necessarily need to listen to it to get something out of today, but it's helpful as a foundation. You can listen to it on the website. But to summarize, what you find in the Bible is that our hearts are sad, S-A-D, selfish, arrogant, and damaging. Um, practically, that means that uh, the scripture points to three follies that these relate to, these sad words. Uh, which is, I just want what I want. That's the self-centered aspect of life. I want what I want. I want my way. Uh, another Hebrew word is the word that translates arrogance for us, and it's hallelah. sounds like hallelujah. Hallelujah is praise the Lord. Hallelah is praise myself. And that, that's where we get the arrogance from. But I want what I want, and... I deserve it. Out of all the people in this situation right here, I'm the most important. That's what it means. Um, and then damaging is another folly that we see in Scripture. And it's raw, R-A is the, the Hebrew word. And it, it just means basically I'm willing to hurt you to get what I want because I deserve it. And we may not physically pound on someone, but we... We're willing to give a cold shoulder. We're willing to make a terse remark. We're willing to do. We're willing to do whatever to go to the lengths that we get. Now there is one fool that we're going to look at later on. He's currently off the screen, uh, out of that picture, who is committed to hurting others. And these guys are out there. But we'll we'll look at that later. This series is intended to help you learn how to reject folly and walk toward wisdom. That, that's our goal in this series. Uh, we have to keep choosing wisdom daily. And we saw last week a specific passage that said if we, if we keep choosing folly, we suffer for it. We, we pay a price for it. And so we need to keep, every day we need to keep choosing wisdom. And it, we need God's help for that. We need him to help us keep choosing the wisdom that's there. And so that's what we're looking at. We're looking at how do we cooperate with God to walk away from folly into wisdom. And to do that, we need a new heart because we have these, we have these problems embedded in our hearts. And we, we need God to give us a new heart. And he, he promises to do that in Jesus Christ. We talked about that last week. Today, I want to look at the first of the five fools. And I'm sure many of us in the room can identify with this one. I'm sure I sure can. You know, I'm going to confess up front. I can identify. 
uh, I'd like for you to meet the easy way fool. Uh, and he, we, we call him the Kassil because that, that's actually a transliteration of the Hebrew word for fool uh, that relates to this, to this guy. You, you've actually seen uh, this, this fool on many sitcoms and movies, but you might not have realized it. <laughs> um, but as you get properly introduced, you begin to identify this, this fool in, in many of the, the sitcoms that, that go on. Because the Bible actually matches up with what we really experience in life. And so uh, I, I'd like you to see this main characteristic of this fool in the character George Costanza from Seinfeld. I'm, I'm, I'm going to look at this. We're going to look at this together. George is the best friend of Jerry, the main guy in the show. George has somewhat of a lazy streak in him. He'll do anything to get out of working hard. And so watch this clip with me. I can't keep doing this to myself. I'm exhausted. Can't you grab a nap at work? Not with that big glass window looking out onto the hall. And I love a good nap. Sometimes it's the only thing getting me out of bed in the morning. Let's see. Uh, George, have you seen that American League directory? It's um, a big green book. Right there. Uh, thanks, kiddo. possible to add a little shelf like uh, for an alarm clock? What about maybe that big? No, no, maybe like this. Like that? Yeah, like that. Yeah, I can do that. Great. <laughs> you know, this could sound crazy, but what do you think about adding a drawer for like a blanket? Blanket or a quilt? Blanket. That, that thick? Maybe like this. Like that? Yeah, like that. That's what you want? That's what I want. Hey, George. You want this cup holder, uh, you want it mounted on the left, or the right, or in the middle? Whatever! Oh, 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 oh. this is unbelievable! This is better than my bed at home! All right. It's been a long night. You go home and get some sleep. That's what you want? That's what I want. <laughs> Morning, George. Morning, Mr. Wilhelm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. He, he goes to pretty great lengths to make sure he can nap at work and remain hidden. Two characteristics of this fool. Uh, we're going to look at those in a little bit. Um, I, I've never gone to those lengths, but I can identify with George's desire to take a nap right when you need to be working, eh? Hey, I've been in Canada this week. I'm sorry. <laughs> Eh? <laughs> oh, I picked it up. I also learned how to say some other English words, process instead of process. But anyway, that's that's different. Um, I, I can identify with his desire to get out of work, and I know many of us can. Work can feel like it's just getting in the way. Come on. It's ruining my life here. I've got to work. Um, do, you, do you remember when you realized that you would never again have a summer vacation? You remember that moment when, yeah, it's like summer break. Oh, no. Like, it's work goes from January to December. There's no two, three months in the middle. And I'm not. 
I used to think if I could just get the summer, life's going to be good. You know, I don't know if you thought that way. I did. I can break out of the mundane schoolwork and assignments and deadlines and really enjoy myself. This stuff's getting in the way of what I really want to do. Here's, here's a scene from High School Musical I'd like us to watch. And uh, it, it emphasizes this, this point. Summer. 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 Now, I'm going to admit, I'm going to confess something to you. I've seen that movie. Um, when it came out, I had a teenage daughter, so I enjoyed that with her. I don't know if you saw the guy's T-shirt. You probably couldn't read it. It said, I majored in summer vacation. <laughs> There's something in our hearts that just draws us toward this stuff. It's, it's something that I had to get over in adulthood. I, I don't know about you, but I used to take full advantage of the break. One time my dad hired a friend of mine and I to roof a house, our house, the house that we had. And, you know, we'd work till about 9.30, 10. It started getting hot. We'd take off to the beach. And as the summer went along, he got a little concerned that we weren't going to finish the job. And so he actually gave us an incentive to get done sooner. Uh, creative idea for him. I appreciated the fact that he didn't yell at me to get it done. Uh, but there's something in me and probably in all of us that just we want to take a break. Uh, some of us struggle with this more. Some of us not as much. Um, and there's nothing wrong with enjoying vacation. I, I really love vacations. I love taking a break. It's, it's needed. We need the rest to recharge. But when it becomes a, a, a lifelong desire for a lifelong vacation, that's the problem. Life of ease is what most of us desire. We actually aspire to that some in our culture. It's the way our culture works. Um, there is a strong pull in our heart toward this. In Hebrew, the kasil, uh that we're talking about today is the, the name of the fool who embodies this life pattern of ease. Uh, it's the first of five Hebrew names that we're going to look at that translate fool into English. And in English, it's easy to miss because... Uh, there's only one word for fool. And in English, fool means to be mentally dis- deficient or silly. But in the Hebrew, there are specific characteristics that are tied to each of these names. And so we're going to pull those out. It actually means to be morally deficient, not mentally deficient, but morally deficient, because you don't factor God into the circumstances of your everyday life. And you're coming up with a pattern, a strategy to work around God, to do life without God. And that becomes a real problem. And so, as we look at those, these fools, keep that in mind. Uh, we're going to look at the core characteristics of the Casile fool today from Scripture. And you can follow along in your listening guide. They're listed there. 
that was in your program. But the first one is the Casile is confident <clears throat> and hopeful in the wrong things. Proverbs 14.8, the wisdom of the prudent is to discern his way, but the folly of fools is deceiving. Folly, the, the word folly is aveleth. This fool actually grows out of the aveleth folly that we looked at last week, that self-centered, I, I just want my way, I want what I want. And a nap always sounds good right now. Uh, the fool, the word for fool is that Hebrew word kaseel, translated kaseel. So the folly of fools is deceiving. The person who has good sense thinks things through. They're prudent. They think ahead. They anticipate problems and pitfalls. Well, the kaseel keeps getting tripped up because they are so self-centered that they think their way is right. And their folly and their self-centeredness is they keep deceiving others to get their way. They're hiding. Uh, the, the key tool of this fool, every one of the fools has a tool that they use to get their way, to get what they want. And the key tool of this one is lying. The folly of this fool is deceiving. They, they deceive. They keep looking for a magic key in life that's going to unlock the door to the good life. If I can just find this one thing, then it's going to unlock the door to a life of ease. I can call it in from there, from, from bed, maybe. You know, Hey, here we are. This is it. Um, if you're taking notes, you might want to write down magic key because that's, that's an important word today as a characteristic of this fool. So the, the fool, the Casile fool, is confident and hopeful in the wrong things. They're also incredibly lazy. Uh, they're known as the lazy liar. That's kind of a, a two-word description. Uh, Ecclesiastes 4, 5 says, The fool, Casile, folds his hands and ruins himself. So he should be working using his hands. He just folds them and ruins himself, always at the wrong time. Instead of working hard, he's folding his hands and he brings ruin upon himself. His idle approach may appear to be mere inactivity, but actually what's happening is it's eating away at his progress. It's eating away at, at his life, really. The translation of this in another translation, this passage, it says he folds his hands and eats his own flesh. In, 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 a life, in taking a, a, an easy approach, to life, he's actually eating away at his, his progress, his prosperity in life. Warren Worsby, who's a, a theologian, pastor, says, laziness is a slow, comfortable path toward self-destruction. And, and that's what's going on in this fool. Another characteristic of the Casile is to be an excessive talker and liar. They just, they just talk all the time. Uh, Proverbs 12:23 says, "A prudent man keeps his knowledge to himself, but the heart of fools blurts out folly. They're just they're in a situation, and they're confident and hopeful in the right things, and they're basically just gushing, so that it kind of covers the fact that maybe they haven't been doing everything they needed to be doing here. They're just woo. If I talk enough, maybe I'll convince them." That I'm pulling this off. 
speaking without thinking can can really hurt us. Have you ever had to eat your words? <laughs> this week I had to eat some words. I had to ask somebody to forgive me for something I said. Or have you ever been tempted to lie or to talk your way out of owning responsibility for failing to work hard? I know I have. This is a struggle. This is something we we have to deal with. Lying to cover laziness is characteristic of this fool. And the passage above says, the folly of the fool, this fool, is deceiving. This is what conceals do. This is a pattern. Uh, Finally, this fool is easily angered. Uh, they actually blow up in anger to camouflage their laziness. This is what they do. Proverbs fourteen seventeen. Quick temper. A man of quick temper acts foolishly, casillishly, <laughs> and a man of evil devices is hated. So this this is a characteristic. If the casille were an animal, it'd, it'd be a possum. He'd be a possum. He or she'd be a possum. Here, here's a picture of a dead possum. That's pretty good. That, that possum's alive. Doesn't look like it, does it? They, they can do it well. That's some good acting right there by that possum. But when you're threatened or aroused, they become vicious. Check this out. And you can see those teeth. I, I've heard that you do not want to mess with a possum. And that's, that's exactly what happens with a casseal. You know, they're, they're easygoing, cruising along, and then if you catch them not doing what they should do, woof, they let you have it. Camouflage. That's, that's their camouflage. They attack so that they can do what they want. Now, as you can imagine, the impact of the easy way is continual disappointment and frustration. The, the fool themselves are disappointed because they never find the life of ease. There are always speed bumps on the way to that life, and the speed bumps are, you know, work and trouble and things I need to have dealt with prior to the situation I'm facing right now. Um, Those around this fool are frustrated and learn not to count on them. If they're on a team at work or in church or whatever, you just, you just sort of work around them. You just learn not to ask them to do stuff because, well, you certainly don't ask them to do important stuff because they're not going to, they're not going to get it done. Um, eventually the frustration can cost a job or important relationship if it gets too, too extreme. So this is, this is a life of frustration for the person and early on. Now, I know that I've I've had to grow out of this in adulthood. Like I said, I had to get past the summer vacation thing, and I, I've also had to grow out of uh, just this tendency to slack. I remember one time I was talking to uh, my mentor on the phone about a situation here in church, very early in church life, about probably about 26 years ago, and I was talking about a circumstance we were dealing with, trying to figure out how do I organize this church life to accomplish what we need to accomplish. And he mentioned a book. And he said it was a textbook in seminary. And I actually had the book. When he said the name of the book, I didn't recognize the name of the book. But I looked on my shelf. Oh, yeah, there it is right there. Well, I just kind of glossed through it to get by in seminary. And then I really needed it. I was sorry I did that. 
That's what happens when you're slack. When you're slack in your work, you keep facing situations where, oh, I wish I'd have done that back then when I needed to, or I wish I'd have thought ahead and tried to accomplish this. This, this fool lives this pattern. This, this is what happens. This is a complete dead-end approach to life. Always looking for the key to unlock the easy way. Now, I don't know about you, but I've read, in, in the past, I've read the latest book, and I thought, this is it, this is the answer, this is going to unlock I'm If I just do this one thing that they keep talking about in this book, life is going to get on a roll. It's going to be awesome. This is going to be amazing. I can't wait. Or I go to a seminar. You know, sometimes the people that work with us and work for us and our family, they're the victim of the last book we read or the last seminar seminar we went to. It's like, hey, this is it. This is going to make everything better. Let's just do this. And then the next one, let's just do this. That wasn't quite right. Let's do this one. Let's get it done. We're looking for a magic key, a conversation with a powerful person that may promise to help you can be a magic key or financial strategy that just seems so shrewd. I mean, I'm sure most of the world is not paying attention to what we're about to do here and we're going to get ahead and it's going to get us on a roll woof, and we're going to go. Magic key after magic key comes by and we never find the one that delivers its it's promise. We never do. The easy life never arrives because the answer's not in the magic key. It's not there. There is no magic key. Let's just get that out there right now. There is no magic key to life. I'd like to make a turn in the message right now and look at how to move beyond the easy way. I think we can identify with the characteristics um, and the, the, the main intent of this series is to identify the characteristics in yourself, not in those around you. Um, you know, there's this temptation to, when you're listening to a, a message like this, getting into Scripture, to apply it to everybody else. You know, go around, you fool. You know, <laughs> don't, I, I really don't do that. What it does help with, though, is it helps you begin to, like, if you're a parent or if you're working with others, maybe you're uh, uh, over people at work, it helps you realize characteristics that are going on in a person and, and more of the com- complex dynamics of why they're doing what they do so that you can help them more move past that. So that, that's the goal of this series. But we want to look at how do you move beyond the easy way. Wisdom shows the path that leads us away from these, these foolish patterns. The wise make choices to please God over and over and over again, <clears throat> rather than make choices that bring pain, self-centered choices that bring pain on ourselves and, and those who uh, are connected to us. Folly gets clear as we compare it to the way of wisdom. So as you get into Proverbs, and we're pulling a lot of these verses out of Proverbs, which is a book of wisdom in the scripture, as you get into Proverbs, it keeps comparing wisdom and folly so we can tell the difference. And he gives very, very practical uh, advice on how to move away from folly. Proverbs 8, 25 through 26 says, A greedy man stirs up strife, but the one who trusts in the Lord will be enriched. Whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool. Casile, 
but he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. The word greedy here means literally living large or roomy. It means you're, you're, you're living larger than you should. And the idea is this. You create strife with other people because you're taking more than's entitled to you. In any given relationship or situation, you're trying to get more than you, you deserve, rightly. In terms of blessing, in terms of accolades, in terms of status, you're, you're, trying, to, you're, trying, to get, you're trying to increase your boundary here so you get more in that situation. Uh, there's also a lot of room, a lot of space between your dreams and reality. If you walk in this pattern. So there's this space there. Uh, the, the, the approach is based on a false sense of entitlement. Uh, think we deserve certain things, comfort and convenience. We, we don't get it. We're angry. Blow up. The Bible reminds us here in this passage that this approach brings strife. Really, a never-ending battle and frustration with people and, and in circumstances. Yet the wise resist this. They, they resist the false sense of reality and place their confidence in God and his commands. They're, they're not looking for a, a magic key. They, they, they are not searching for that. Here, the, the um, idea of deliverance means an escape. It means you're delivered. You're, you're, the way of wisdom and God himself wants to walk us and deliver us from the impact and the consequences and the problems associated with the easy way, with this foolish pattern. That's what, that's what God's wanting to do in us. <clears throat> if you're like me, I can get tied up in this kind of thinking. So what do I do about it? Let's look at three things we can do. Here are some specifics on how to move beyond the easy way strategy. First of all, trust God and work hard. Trust God and work hard. Hebrews 6, 11 through 12 <clears throat> says this. We desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Uh, when we come to Christ, sometimes we want God to just give us the promise. Just, just make life good. See, we can treat God like a magic key. But that's not the way God works. That's not how he is. He, he wants us to trust him and work hard and to get after it. And it's in the hard work that he does all kinds of good stuff. He, he begins to change our hearts. He begins to grow us. He develops us. He, he develops um, patience in us, which is, it, it says that you inherit the promises through faith and patience. So, so through trusting him and patience is you keep working hard toward the goal in spite of adversity. See, we think we come, it's going to be, life's going to be easy. It's, gonna, it's all going to come together. Jesus is the magic key. But that, that's not how it works. It's very plainly laid out here in Scripture for us. The way to combat laziness is to work hard. When we're tempted to slack off, put it in gear. Throw away the magic key. 
just get the thought out of your mind and expect to work hard to fulfill the promise. That's, that's the path. There are two words used in this passage in, that are in contrast to each other, earnestness and sluggishness. <clears throat> to be earnest conveys a speed and eagerness to get the job done. This person does not delay to complete assignments. Instead of waiting till the last minute, they're pushing it toward the front. They're trying to get it done as soon as they can. Uh, sluggish means laziness. Actually, uh, there's a sense in which it means a dullness of hearing. Have you ever given instructions to a child or someone else, and and you know they're not paying attention? They're like they're they're hearing wah 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 wah. They're not going to do it. And and that's that's what this is referring to. Sluggish means I'm not planning to do the work, so I'm not really paying attention to what you're saying. And and in contrast to that, we're to be earnest to get moving. Uh, lazy, sluggish people don't get the job done because they aren't listening to the instructions in the first place. They aren't paying attention. They aren't really trying to get their hands around what needs to be done. The last part of this verse shows God's promises for those who trust God and choose diligence. The lie is this. The lie is to believe that if I do my work with everything I've got, I'm going to miss out on the good life. It's... I'm not going to I'm not going to enjoy life. And it turns out that enjoying our work that's been given to us, provided to us by God is crucial to enjoying our life. And actually, Ecclesiastes, another book of wisdom in scripture, says that the ability to enjoy your work is a gift from God. Now, we have to because of the way our hearts are wired we have to wrestle with this. I have to wrestle with this. We all have parts of our job that we enjoy, hopefully, and parts of our job that we, we don't enjoy. I know that's the case. And so we sort of pay rent to do the stuff we like to do. And every day we wrestle with this. But we can actually, if we'll turn, if we'll godly, to be godly means to live a God-referenced life. So if you're living that kind of life in the way you do your work, there's the opportunity for God to give you enjoyment in doing it because everything we do is for him. Everything we do. We, we, whatever we do, we can do it as unto God and experience his blessing in it. So the key to overcoming this lie is to realize that God blesses my current work as I give myself to it wholeheartedly. He, he, he gives the enjoyment in it. You, you don't miss out. There's a time for vacation. There's a time for a break. But when it's time to work, you can dive in and God will bring his blessing to you. You actually get the good things in the midst of the work. The next thing to do is ask God to help you clue into the consequences of uh, this pattern. When a man's folly br uh, brings his way to ruin... His heart rages against the Lord. Often we don't understand how God works. We don't understand what we can expect to him, uh, from him. And so sometimes our, our patterns of foolishness bring ruin to us, and then we get angry at God. We're, we're blaming God for that. Don't do that. We want to be free from the frustration, but we don't want to change our path sometimes. We just want God to take it away. 
So don't do that. When we experience the consequences of these foolish strategies that we're looking at, this is God's classroom of life. This is how God teaches us through the, the pain and consequences from not making wise choices. Now, all the trouble that we have, some of it's related to other people's folly. I'm not saying that everything you go through that's painful is your fault. But some or most of it is, depending on where you're at, how committed to this pattern you're in. And God wants to use that to grow us away from it. And then finally, moving beyond the easy way comes as we speak the truth. Ephesians 4.25 says, Therefore, having, putting, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Since the seal fool is a lazy liar, the way to change is replace the lies with the truth. And when you catch yourself lying, admit it, ask forgiveness, and then speak the truth. This is, what, this is what's really going on. Because it hurts us. To give the impression that we're doing what we should be doing or that we're further along than we should be or that we have more status than, than we should be. It's, it's helpful to give people the accurate picture of what's really going on in the situation. How can we work together? How can we do well as a family? How can we do well at work? How can we do well in church life if, if people don't really know what's going on? It's, it's impossible. Uh, and, and God... the context of this passage is God wants a community of believers in church life who really know each other and can help each other with what's really going on, not trying to figure out, you know, taking a stab in the dark at what's happening in the person's life. Whenever you find yourself handling life in one of these foolish patterns, if God wants to help and he has the power to help. He, he will help. As I wrap up the day's message, I, I, I'd like to ask you, if you would, to pull your connection card out of the program uh, that you began to fill out or completed filling out. I'd like to ask the worship team, if they would, to come up back to the stage and lead us in a few moments in song. And then if you could take this time to complete any information or, or next steps that I'm going to mention uh, that'd be great, and then drop the card and the offering when it comes by. But here, here are my suggestions for some practical ways that you can apply the message this morning. First next step, circle the starting point for moving beyond the easy way. First thing I need to do is trust God and work hard. Realize he's not going to rip me off if I work hard. He's going to actually bless my hard work. Second, ask God to see, help me see the consequences. God would just show me where I'm messing up here I don't, I don't need to be angry at everybody around me I don't need to be angry at you but I need to just recognize my own folly would you help me in this and then maybe you're needing to speak the truth as a pattern and circle that that'd be great um, another step would be to memorize Proverbs twenty-eight, twenty-six: whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool but he who walks in wisdom will be delivered this is the way we we ask God for wisdom. We ask him for help in walking away from the folly. And, and he will, over time, help you walk away from it. Let's, let's pray. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the truth we see in Scripture. 
Thank you, God, for your grace and your kindness and the help that you give and your patience with us, Father. We thank you for that. And I pray that you give us the power and the strength to take the next steps that you've laid on our heart today. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.